Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. Our guest today is David Mast. Welcome, David. Morning, Kit. I am so glad to have you as a guest today. David Mast is a man on a journey of discovery. He's a farmer with roots deeply planted in Delaware soil, but as a scuba diver has plumbed the ocean's depths, and as a pilot has soared to heavenly heights. I met him in a class, so I know he's a good learner and follower, but I also know him to be a team player from his high school football days and a team leader who recently spent 16 weeks guiding young men through rigorous boot camp training with ALERT, an air land emergency resource team. He has strong core beliefs and yet is open to new ideas and experiences. David, I see you as a fearless adventurer, but you tell me you haven't always been that way. This is a story our audience and I are eager to hear, so let's get started. Please tell me how you see yourself. Well, the way I see myself, um, that has definitely changed a whole lot over the years. I love pushing myself past things that I don't, I guess I don't enjoy doing maybe, or things that scare me. Um, I'm a very blessed dude. I've been blessed with uh, a lot of gifts and talents that I guess a lot of people don't have. But the, the longer I've lived and the more I've gotten to know other people, the more I realize that I guess I'm a, I'm a uniquely gifted guy, just like everybody else. Um, and so realizing the uniqueness of everybody, I think, has really helped the way that I see myself in realizing that I'm not that special, but I am uniquely gifted. That's a beautiful place of humility. I think that a lot of great things can happen when you start at that place. Um, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours about humility, and he reminded me that it wasn't seeing less of yourself. It was seeing yourself rightly before God. And I admire that in you because I believe that you are learning to do that, as am I. So tell me, um, tell me a little bit about yourself, about your background. How did you get to be... How, how did you know that you had fears and that they needed to be overcome? What, what was the idea behind that? Um, how did I discover I had fears? And, and that it was a problem. I mean, some people live a whole life of fear and they never, they never adopt the attitude that you have of these need to be overcome. How, tell us about that journey. Well, first off, I still have a lot of fears. Um, it's one reason I'm on this podcast right now is it's, it's me facing a fear. <laughs> but the one like, the first time I stood at the top of our silo, I was, you know, farming and we had to get the, had to get the unloader to the top of the silo so we could get the silage in for the cows. And uh, first time I stood at the top of that, or even just climbing the ladder to get up there, um, I realized that I was scared of heights. But at the same time, I realized that there was still a job that needed to be done and there was something that needed to be accomplished. And that more than anything, yes, my fears were keeping me safe, but also they were getting in the way of me accomplishing something. Um, and so whether it was heights, I mean, for the longest time, I said my three greatest fears are heights, women, and fear of public speaking. So all of those <laughs> are still true, not going to lie. <laughs> um, but I guess I realized I had fears when I did things that made me uncomfortable or when I, whenever I came up against them, things that I just naturally didn't enjoy and made me, I guess, obstacles that got in the way of me accomplishing something. 
what is the difference for you between fear and an adrenal rush? I mean, it's one thing to stand on top of a silo and to be able to see as far as you can see um, and to feel an excitement that the work that you're doing is important. When did that cross over to fear for you? How did you know that that was fear and not just excitement? I think they go so hand in hand because I oftentimes I get my adrenaline rush from facing my fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think without fear, I don't think that I would get an adrenaline. It made it a lot more exciting, a lot more exciting for me. Um, I think it was Tim O'Brien says, you never feel more alive than when you're almost dead. Um, and I find that so true. It's, I don't know. I, that's where I experience the adrenaline rush is, is in the midst of those fears. And yet the things that you're doing when you're facing your fears, I mean, you are taking them head on. Most people run screaming from the things they're afraid of. So if you say that heights is one of the things you're afraid of, I can see why you'd become a scuba diver, but I'm not sure why you became a pilot because you have to do that again and again. At what point did um, that help you overcome your fear or do you still wrestle with it? My fear of heights? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one thing, but I found it almost as uh, like as an opponent is something I can go against. And, and I'm, a, I'm a super competitive dude. Um, I love, I, I compete in everything I do. That's how I always raised me and my brothers were always competing in literally everything from taking showers to like, who could eat our breakfast the fastest or whatever. Um, <laughs> and so I guess I see it as something that I can compete against. Um, I realized that my fear of heights was was one of my greatest fears. And I I saw instances where I was working at heights that it was actually crippling me. Um, If you see something that is hindering you, like, like, I guess, a rival that actually forces you to get better um, because they're challenging you. I love that. So where did competition begin in you? Has that always been a part of you or is that Uh, just a part of being boys? I was born. (laughs) Everything we did, we were trying to outdo each other, which was rough because I was, I'm second youngest. So, you know, I got beat up a lot, but um, my poor younger brother, he uh, has to experience that now. And is he, is he tough because of it or has he decided? Okay. (laughs) It's taken time, but we've gotten there. (laughs) So, um, well, that does change the game then. When you look at fear um, with an eye uh, for competition that I will beat this, that's your edge. That's how you get past um, the things in fear that's, you know, they say their responses to fear are flight, fight, or freeze. I'm guessing freeze isn't an option for you. It wasn't an option, but it was definitely my default for a very long time. Wow. See, and I will turn to fight. I will turn to fight. So. <laughs> in fact, everybody who knows me, that they, they don't like that about me because if I'm afraid, yeah, I'm coming out. So um, that's kind of funny. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about your fear of heights and that propelled you to become a pilot. Tell us a little bit about that journey and why you chose that particular way of fighting that fear. Well, I don't know that becoming a pilot was really um, a way of me facing my fear. Um, pilot was just something I've always wanted to do. I've always been intrigued by flying and I saw the usefulness of it and the utility of what it could be used for. And it was just something I always wanted to do. And yes, my fear of heights definitely played into that. Um, but I, I wasn't, I guess I didn't allow it to become a factor for me um, by, by, I guess, at least mildly conquering it before by doing skydiving and climbing to the top of the side literally every single night, just, uh, just to prove to myself that I could do it um, and stuff like that. Okay, I knew you were a pilot, but I didn't know you jumped out of planes. 
Well, I did it once, you know, just to myself I could. (laughs) Wow. And? And it was amazing. I would, I think I would do it again. I would do it again. Yeah. Wow. That, that is amazing. So what are some (laughs) of the uses for your flying? Do you crop dust? I do not. Not yet. Right now I'm just, I'm just a private pilot currently. Um, saving up money and working to to be able to get my instrument ready. Very nice. Um, so where are you going with that? I'm assuming that that uh, is in conjunction with your Airland rescue team. I would love to. Um, it's it's a very specialized field. Um, and so I don't know if I'll be able to use that like in conjunction with my emergency response training and my and my uh, like EMT mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so there's kind of, I guess, different branches that I'm pursuing and kind of seeing what pans out and what ends up actually being the most useful. So tell us a little bit about your alert training and, and what it is that you do there. So uh, Airland Emergency Resource Team, it's a Christian program designed with the structure of the military. Um, they realized how many good qualities come out of the military and how it really forges men and decided they wanted to do it without a lot of the negative um, side effects. Um, so they just started this and, uh, it's made up of three phases. Um, first phase is like a basic training, nine week, um, intense. You basically, it's a big gut check, um, to really figure out what you're made of and what makes you tick, I guess. Um, second phase, you start to build in, um, a lot of like base level skills, um, for technical rescue and scuba diving and, uh, search and recovery and stuff like that. And then the third phase, you can like specialize in like technical rescue or aviation or things like that. Well, I know that's been a lot of fun for you because you've done it more than once. And mm-hmm. I imagine that it's fun for you to help other young men overcome their fears because what you're asking them is demanding on every level, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually. How do you help other people overcome their fears? I'd say First off, probably the, the thing that I've found helps me the most, and, and I realize a lot of people are different and, and see this differently, but when I, I realize that my leader is willing to face them too, and they're willing to get down and get dirty, do whatever needs to be done, um, and they're not going to let that conquer them, and it helps give me courage to conquer my fears. And so I, I've tried to do that. Um, I don't know if I succeeded, but I guess starting off by just being the example and helping them to realize that fear is something that can be conquered. Um, You might still have it. It might still be in the back of your head, but it's something that you can, like, it doesn't have to cripple you. It doesn't have to make so you can't do things. And, uh, and so I think that's the, the kind of the base, the first thing I try to do, and then just helping them understand themselves and why they're scared of certain things. um, And then helping walk them through it. I think when you really begin to understand yourself and why you're scared of something, um, it can really help you begin to think through of, how, of ways to conquer that and even just allowing it to not cripple you. I love so much that you've taken the very journey that you're on and you're now leading other people down that same path. And I know as a teacher, when I am teaching those kinds of things, it certainly reinforces in me because I have to know the lesson well before I can teach it to others. I had an opportunity to observe you as a leader um, for a little bit when you were in the Dallas area. And when I was asking questions of you and one of the young men that you were leading, you deferred to him quite often and you put him in the spot of having to respond. Would you say that's your leadership style? I would say definitely. Um, But my dad had a heart attack and was kind of out of commission for, he recovered, just throwing that in there. Um, But 
um, it definitely forced me to step up and teach myself how to do things. And so I think that became my natural mentality. Um, it has, it's not super helpful a lot of times because a lot of people don't learn like that. Um, I see a problem and I would rather you just let me attack the problem and make mistakes and come back and fix it and learn how to do that. Um, I would say that is my natural mentality is to just force somebody into something and be like, hey, it's okay if you make mistakes. I'm okay with that. I want you to make mistakes because that's the way you're going to learn. Um, but I've realized, began to realize more and more that that is not the way a lot of people learn. And so I've been trying to curtail that a little bit. But I would say, especially in situations like that, yeah, I would much rather step back and watch um, my guys or or whoever is under me, allow them to to go move forward and make mistakes and learn from them, hopefully. I like that so much. And I think that's a great way to build leaders. You know, it is my default tendency too to rush in, fix the problem and then turn around and say, okay, now this is why we do what we do. And this is why we're prepared. Um, But I think they don't learn as well as as often as they would if they had to step forward and make their own mistakes. And so good on you that you learned that so well. Well, we are going to take a break right now and we will be back in just a moment with our guest, David Mast. David was talking about how making mistakes is the way we learn. Boy, howdy, ain't that the truth. Last week, we celebrated our first full year of podcasts by telling you our story and how it was shaped by many of our guests who encouraged and inspired us. In order to share some of our favorite words of wisdom from them in their own beautiful voices, we had to revisit some of our earliest recordings. And let me just say, um, we've come a long way, baby, in just a year. I hope you got to hear that show. It was a little departure from our regular format, but oh, so much fun. Like a loving parent watching us take our first baby steps, you were there with open arms and encouraging words on our social platforms and on our podcast hosting sites as you participated in discussions, retweeted our quotes, and left some good ratings and reviews. We are so grateful. People who have signed up for our weekly newsletter and monthly Bible study are already enjoying the benefits. To join that elite group, visit us at nis.media. Finally, this is the last week to officially participate in the virtual walk, run for Athena and for other victims of child abuse. This month-long event is hosted by our previous guest, Tina Davis, on Facebook at Our Journey with Athena. And for listeners in the Dallas area, don't miss an opportunity to meet our former guest, singer-songwriter Joel Salazar, in concert in Grand Prairie this Sunday night at 6.45 p.m. For details, visit our site or his at FBCGP, First Baptist Church, Grand Prairie, FBCGP.org. Now, back to our show. back from our break right now with David Mast. Thank you so much, David, for being part of our show today. So we left off talking about fears, and I want to continue a little bit in that. You were going to tell us about how uh, the formula for overcoming your fear. So let's let's start there. The formula. Okay. Well, you see, (laughs) the way this works is now, um, I think it it, it works a lot different for, for a lot of people. For me, 
Um, I think one of the biggest, the biggest things for me um, overcoming my fear was learning, learning to forget myself. Um, growing up, I, I, I was a, a fairly driven person and would always ask myself why I get out of bed in the morning. What, what, like being honest with myself, why am I getting out of bed this morning? And, and going through my football career, I was pretty stuck on myself. You know, I was going to be the best. I was, I was going to be the guy that everybody feared on the other teams. And uh, that, it went pretty well my freshman year. You know, it was my first time ever playing football and I was kind of the star, you know, I was little, I was little, but I could, I could hit pretty hard. And uh, I really enjoyed being the star and I, I kind of got pretty stuck on myself. So going to my sophomore year, you know, I was the guy, I was the starting linebacker and starting tailback and like I was the guy people were going to depend on um and that really became the reason I got out of bed in the morning it was the reason I stayed up late and worked out because I was scared of of failing I was scared of not not being that guy that people were depending on um and I think God realized that and he was like ha growth spurt middle of sophomore year you can't hardly run your old knees and elbows uh, it was horrible. It was it was really bad. Um, anybody that knows things about football knows that the the starting tailback should should score more than uh, one touchdown in the regular season. It was it was pretty bad. And the only reason they kept me in, I convinced, was because there our running back rotation was horrible and we had no one else. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I remember sitting on my bench. It was between my sophomore and my junior year of high school. And uh, I remember sitting on my bench at about two o'clock in the morning. I, I like to work out late or early, I guess, depending on how you look at it. And I was sitting there and I was just talking to God. I was like, God, why am I doing this? Why am I still playing football? I, I genuinely don't enjoy this. Like the first year I had a lot of fun, but this next year, like the salt, my sophomore season was just horrible. Like I didn't enjoy what I was doing. I didn't have any fun. And, and I didn't feel like it was worthwhile what I was doing. Um, and so I remember two o'clock in the morning. I'm not, you know, saying it was an audible voice because it wasn't. Um, but God was like, hey, the reason the reason you're not having any fun, the reason you feel like you're failing at all this stuff is because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it for yourself. And I, I was kind of like, oh, this this is unfortunate. I don't, I don't know what to do with this. And just sitting out there two o'clock in the morning, just talking with God and being like, Okay, so what, what do you want me to do about it? Like, do, do I quit? Like, because that's kind of what I feel like I should do. I feel like I'm wasting all this time and energy. Um, but God was like, no, you're just doing it for the wrong reason. Just change the reason you're doing it. Um, and so I was like, all right, you know, I'll give it one more shot. I'll play my junior year. If the same thing happens, I'm not going to play my senior year. I'm not coming back. Um, and so I decided to give it one more shot. And I went back and spring training and and the way that I saw people and realizing that the reason I was doing this wasn't for myself anymore but it was for something a lot bigger um and (laughs) within the next three months I gained 20 pounds of muscle um and that season I rushed for a thousand plus yards um scored 15 16 touchdowns and I'm not saying I'm not I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel to where you do these things and it'll equal this, but God really blessed that and it was amazing. I think some of the ways I did that was <laughs> I made it a point just to mentally humble myself to the point where whenever the other team scored a touchdown, um, to be the first one to run over and give them a high five. And and that annoyed the oh man, they they got really annoyed. Some of them would just cuss me out. Um, I actually made a lot of good friends on other teams and I had parents from other teams coming up and asking me 
um, how it is that I play like this. And, and to this day, I'm actually um, the trainer for the, the same team I played for. And I still have parents and players that were like freshmen when I was a senior come up and still remember me. I'm not wearing my number or anything and uh, come up and say they remember the way I play, not because I scored 14, 15 touchdowns, but because of the way I played and, and the way I interacted with other people. Um, and so <laughs> I guess bringing this back around, when I was able to forget myself in that process and forget about the fear of failure and, and not being afraid to make mistakes and just handing that over and trusting that God had my six, you know, that God had my back. Um, when I was able to forget myself in that process, I think it really helped me in conquering those fears and being able to overcome them. I think that is the game. I think when we do shift our minds and our hearts to something bigger than ourselves, that's where we can move forward. So let's have some advice from you uh, for people who are fearful or who um, maybe are stuck and afraid to move forward. I think a big thing that helped me was knowing and, and beginning to realize that it's okay to be afraid. And that is 100% okay. I think when I use the word conquering fears, I, I said at the beginning that my three greatest fears are heights, public speaking, and women. And those are still my top fears. It's not that I've actually conquered them. Well, conquered them as in they're not my fears anymore and I've made them go away. But it's actually that I've learned to not allow them to cripple me. And, and I've been able to conquer them to the effect that they aren't the things that are running my life. But I, I realize fears, fear is something that keeps you safe. And that's, that's a good thing, but we can't allow that safeness to cripple us from doing, accomplishing the reason we get out of bed in the morning to, to love God and love people. Um, that's really, ultimately in my life, what I figured out was the reason that I needed to be getting out of bed in the morning and why I was, well, hopefully am and, and building toward that. And so you don't have to, the fear's not going to go away and that's okay. That is powerful. <laughs> that is so good. Because I feel like the things that you're talking about, when you change your mindset and you put other people first or other goals, then you can move forward without fear because the things that would hold you back, like the fear of failure or the fear of rejection, no longer hold you. And I just love that you've done that and that, uh, and that you continue to do that and that you realize that it's going to be an ongoing battle maybe for all of your life. Um, but as you move forward in that, you find that back to the, the difference between fear and excitement. There's a certain excitement that comes from seeing the progress you've made from the person that you were to uh, all that you've accomplished, which is uh, propellant for all the things that you could still do. And it's amazing when you do that, that you make an impact and more than just yourself, moving yourself closer to your goal, but the other people are watching you, whether you realize it or not. And so I love the story uh, that you were telling us about how people still remembered the day you became fearless, when you thought less of yourself and more of the game and more of the people that you were playing with. And that's what made a difference. You know, it may have looked exactly the same um, on the outside, but you had the internal shift that made all the difference. And uh, what a great story that is. Um, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Um. <laughs> that's the beauty of editing. So is, but as you're facing your fears to help other people, you're also going to be working with people who are afraid. How yeah. do you find yourself effective in those circumstances? I think starting by just validating their fears and that you're, you're scared and that's okay. And, and, and your fear has value. It's, there's a reason you're scared of this. And that's actually like, it's a natural response and it's a good thing. 
Um, and then and then allowing them to, or, or walking them through ways to conquer that and how to conquer that and just being there with them, I think having a presence beside someone who's in the midst of that um, can be a really powerful impact. And also just the power of shared experience and, and letting them know the ways that you've been scared. I mean, this sounds pretty dubbed down, like you're talking to a child and it's like, oh, I was scared of falling off my bike too. But I think that is really powerful. There's allowing the pain that you've gone through and allowing the fears that you've faced um, to connect with people and the fears that they've been through and the, the things that they are going to have to face um, to be able to, I guess, man up and face them and, and knowing that it's okay to be afraid, um, but that they're still going to have to do this. They're still going to have to accomplish this and that they can do that and that you're going to be with them through that. David, that is so insightful. What I love about that is that fear often isolates us and tells us we are alone and that we don't have what it takes to muscle through this. And so when you connect with somebody in fear and you say, it's okay, I'm right here with you. And if we fail, we fail, but let's at least try together. That eliminates uh, the fear of being misunderstood, the fear of rejection, the fear of isolation. And I think sometimes those fears hold us back from greater things. Um, do you have any other tips for us as we face our fears? Like, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to fear. But when you let that control your life and you let that dictate what you do and don't do, when you let that um, come in the way of the reason you get out of bed in the morning. Um, and for me, that was loving God and loving people. And is, is my fear of the pandemic, is my fear of public speaking, is my fear of heights, whatever it is, is it coming in the way of me loving people better? Um, and I think if, if, if it is, if, if your fear is getting in the way of why you want to be getting out of bed in the morning, then that's something you're going to have to seriously consider. That's something you're going to have to begin facing and begin owning up to first, first of all, just admitting that, yes, I'm scared of this and here's why I'm scared of it. But also this fear is getting in the way of how I want to live my life. This fear is getting in the way of who I want to be um, and owning up to that and then beginning to work through that beginning the process of realizing that the reason you get out of bed in the morning is more important than this fear um, of failure, this fear of me looking stupid, whatever it is. Uh, you and I are both very internally motivated, but for people who um, are even afraid to own their fears, uh, maybe it's a, this, this would be a good invitation for them to talk to somebody else about their fears. I think they would be surprised to discover that other people are also afraid, um, but are finding the strength to move forward. And there is power in numbers. And so maybe to find somebody that you can uh, talk to about the things that you're afraid of and things are holding you back. I think that you would be very encouraged as you try to overcome your own personal fears. Well, as we close out this show today, is there anything you'd like others to see more clearly as a result of our conversation? I think the biggest thing that I would encourage people to do is, is first off, figure out what that reason is. Um, the reason that you get out of bed in the morning, figure out what, what that, and be honest with yourself. Um, when I first, I guess God gave me that question. I was talking through it with some guys. And when I first started asking myself the question, I didn't like the answer. Um, I, was, I was putting on my socks in the morning. Um, which actually I don't do very much because I go barefoot. But anyway, um, <laughs> but the reason the reason I, I get out of bed, figure out what that is and be honest with yourself. And if you don't like the answer, then then begin to, to shift that. Begin to figure out, again, refocus in on, on why you were put on this planet, 
we're here for such a short time already and it, it seems a shame to waste to waste the time that you've been given um so go ahead and, and start by wrestling with that because it's not going to do you much good to face a fear until you know why you're facing the fear why do i even need to own up to this and so i would say start by figuring that out um be honest with yourself whether you like the answer or not and then just just go at it just just realize that this purpose is more important than the fears I have. Once you you have that sense of purpose, I think it helps so much in being able to conquer those those fears underneath of that. So I would say figure that out and then just go ham, you know, trust that God's got your six, forget yourself um, because we're all going to die anyway. And, um, and, and I don't say that, don't make stupid decisions and just go, you know, be responsible with your decisions, of course. But like, I think there's some truth in that in realizing that God has a plan and, and his plan is ultimately going to succeed no matter what I want or not. I mean, everything is so fragile in this world already. I mean, we saw the, the world be blown up by this pandemic and we realized all these things that we thought we had that can so quickly be taken away. And so realizing that there's so many things out of your control already and, and that you're going to have to trust God whether you want to or not. Um, and then just owning up to that and trusting that God's got your six and just just go at it. Um, it's going to be scary. It's going to be not fun a lot a lot of times. And it's going to be lonely at times, too, um, because not everybody's wired like that. A lot of people aren't. Um, and whether you're wired at it or not, just begin chipping away at it. It doesn't have to be in, in dramatic ways, um, but start start facing your, your fears. And, and if it's public speaking, maybe you start teaching in a Sunday school class. Maybe you make it a point to talk to a couple strangers if you're an introvert i don't know um but figuring out those small steps and just start building on that um and realize that the fear may, is probably not going to go away um there's a lot of fears i still have but not allowing those to cripple you from the end goal of what you want to become and this is why i see you as a fearless adventurer um not that you're that you don't have fear but that you've learned to manage them that you have a game plan and i think that your counsel for us today is so so good i have certainly um had uh, quite a few takeaways from the show and i hope our listeners have as well thank you for your time today david i so appreciate it thank you for having me kit okay and listeners we'll talk to you again next week we're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.